This is Hard Facts. Yes, so listening to Hard Facts on 99.3 Nigeria Info, I am Sandra Ezekwasili. The newsroom just took you around the world in two minutes. And now it's time for the big hard fact. From now till six, I'm looking at one big issue in Nigeria today. Is there a way to keep more people working during the lockdown? Is there a way to keep more people working during the lockdown? It's an important question because let's face facts. We have not flattened the curve yet. So COVID-19 isn't under control. That means we may need to be in lockdown for a while longer. But let's also face facts. The longer the lockdown goes, the hungrier people will get. And we cannot let people starve. Even corporations will soon start struggling to pay salaries. Big companies, though, they'll soon start to struggle. So what happens to even small businesses? What of entrepreneurs? What of people working for themselves and earning a daily income like artisans? And all of that brings me to today's big hard fact. McKinsey. The global consulting firm is predicting that Africa may lose one third of its jobs to COVID-19. And most of those jobs will be in the informal economy. Think about what that means for a moment. For every three people that you know who had a job before this lockdown, maybe only two will have a job by the time it's over. And the people that will get hit the hardest are the people already making the least money. The artisans, the day laborers, people who cannot afford to save money to begin with. So if we can't find a way to keep the economy running during the lockdown, Africa and Nigeria may have a serious problem. Now here on Hard Facts, we're all about solutions. So for the rest of the hour, let's talk about what the solution to the employment uh, 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 um, situation during COVID-19 could look like. Chukwudi, what have you heard so far from your friends who have jobs in various industries? Sandra is a question. It's really disheartening what the situation is. You know, a lot of Nigerians will tell you that if you look at the situation, it's not every job that you do that you can, you know, work conveniently from home. Aside from the fact that, you know, you have to deal with erratic power supply, um, people also have to use the internet. I mean, there's a lot that you can do if you work from home. But because of the attendant challenges and all the issues that one has to contend with, it's really, you know, very, very difficult how you can work that out and make it possible. But what is really very unfortunate now is the fact that so many people are living in fear. They are looking at the situation and they are saying that it is possible that they might not be able to, you know, go back to uh, their jobs at the end of this exercise. I mean, some people have found a way of working with fewer people in the office because of social distancing and they have tried to see how they can manage the situation. Now, the employer, who, who is a capitalist, is looking at the situation and saying, well, I think I can deal with this and see how I can keep my business running. If I cannot, you know, work my way around this, then it's really very, very uh, impossible to keep all these people under my establishment. I'm going to let them go. And it's really, very, very, um, really trying time, Sandra. And I can tell you confidently that so many people are very afraid. 
aside from the fact that people have gone close to a month without doing anything gainful and you know they are beginning to worry because you don't even know where your next pay will come from it's also really very very um, complex what the situation is people who even try to work from home will tell you who is going to provide data for me who is going to ensure that i you know get the job done and who is even going to assess all that i do it's really very very complex and i hope that you know from the lessons we would learn from covid 19 we are going to be able to you know work out modalities moving forward where we would have lesser people um, at the place of work you can have people doing stuff everywhere around nigeria i mean for example sandra is a question in the comfort of your your bedroom you are you're keeping nigerians abreast of what is going on um, in nigeria and around the world and helping them with information that would help them make informed choices i mean this is a very good way to go but we're hoping that the lessons we would learn from here with respect to stable power supply with respect to security and other things that will make people comfortable working from anywhere in the world especially from the comfort of their homes you know would be able to put these lessons to good use and be better off for it about, uh, let's talk some more about uh, the McKinsey report, Tripoli. And let's do it with somebody who has a lot of practical experience here. He's a former, he's a, he's a former public health consultant who worked with the World Bank and various health ministries. He's now a venture capital executive. So he can talk about this from both a public policy and a private sector angle. He's also a good friend of the show. She found your book for a Welcome back to Heart Factor. Thank you, Sandra. Thank you, Jupiter. Uh, you seem to have a sore throat. What's going on? A little bit. We're maintaining our social development. <laughs> okay. So let's start with the McKinsey report. They're saying that one third of African jobs are at risk during COVID 19. Do you agree? And if you do, why is the number so high? Uh, yes, I agree. In fact, many public policy experts are thinking that that number might be a little low. But yeah, one third is about right. Uh, the reason why is a lot of the jobs in Africa are in the informal sector. Okay. Uh, yeah, so uh, the last report we had from the World Bank about that there are about 300 million jobs in Africa. Okay. And of those 300 million jobs, um, about 100,000 of those are in the formal... Well, sorry, uh, sorry. There are 300 in, million informal jobs in Africa. Okay. And less than 150 million in the formal sector. So the informal sector in Africa is twice as large as the formal sector. Now, when you're saying informal sector, formal sector, what are you referring to? Oh, okay, great. So uh, formal sector are jobs that are in a structured environment. Um, Right, like like your job. So, for instance, um, jobs that with a steady salary, a guaranteed monthly salary, um, in a company that is recognized and... um, Known by the government, that's paying taxes to the government. So you know, and there, there are lots of um, you know formal safety nets like um, pension contribution. Your company may have may or may not have health insurance contribution for you. Um, your company, um, you're part of a union, maybe. So all these things that give your job more and more levels of structure, predictability, and security 
those are the things that define a job in the formal sector. Then now, so then by definition, an informal sector job is a job that doesn't have as many of those structures and as many of those guarantees and safety nets. So, for instance, you know, um, like, for instance, um, the, um, the man who, um, you know, delivers water, you know, to a neighborhood in, in Lekki, he, he's doing it on his own. Um, he doesn't belong to a company. Even if you can say it's a one-man business, but the company doesn't know who he is. He doesn't really pay any self-taxes per se. Um, if something happens to that business, he has no revenue after that. He has no pension. He has no backup. So he's just on his own, really. Mm. And so that's informal employment. Uh, is this why they're more um, in danger than the formal sector? Because of the lack of structure? Uh, that's right. So it, the danger is twofold. There's danger to the job, and there's danger to the person who has the job. So the danger to the person that has the job. Um, so the more money you make, the more money you save. The more, um, the more regular your income, the more you access you have to particular things. So for instance, if you know that you are getting that monthly alert, that alert could be twenty thousand naira, or it could be two hundred thousand naira, or it could be two million naira. But whatever the amount, it allows you to plan your life. You know what you can spend on in a given month. You know what you can or cannot save in a given month. That structure alone, that predictability alone, opens a lot of doors for you. It allows you to go to a bank. It allows you to go to somebody to lend you money, whether it's a bank or it's your best friend. You can go to your best friend and say, "Hey, guy." Lend me 10,000 naira. You know, so then they pay me on the 30th of the month. I can pay you back then. And he too knows that you work for this insurance company. You can, they will pay you. But if you are the guy delivering water, or it may not even be because you're the guy delivering water, even if you're the real estate agent, you know, renting out houses and you make a commission of 2 million naira agency fee, it's not guaranteed that you, you will rent out your house this month. Or next month. So even if it's, a, it's big money you're expecting, it's not predictable money. So that's still informal. And because of that, in a situation like this, in a crisis, you may not have any guaranteed money in your account saved. You may not have any guaranteed revenue coming next week or two weeks from now. And so you are you're in danger. So that's the first level of danger. But the second level of danger is the jobs themselves. The first jobs to go are always the smallest businesses. And always the businesses that um, don't really have um, connections to the financial sector. So a business like Nigeria Info FM is doing a lot of you know commercial business, a lot of turnover. You have accounts to the bank. All of you, you both you and Fukudi, are paid to your salary account. So your your company is running, um, you know, you know, you know, accounts with these banks. They have relationships. The banks know what Nigeria Info is making every month. So if Nigeria Info is experiencing a bit of distress during this time, maybe because advertisers are not coming, Nigeria Info can go to those banks. And the banks will say, oh, yeah, you've been with us for two, three decades. And at, at, at this point, I just want to say, you know, come and advertise so that um, we don't go into distress, so that um, I don't lose my job. Yes, definitely. Let me say yes, please do, because uh, I really like talking to you, and I'm sure you like hearing from me. So uh, please advertise on Nigeria Info. Uh, yes, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so you have that relationship, you can go to the banks. But um, my my barber, T-Boy, doesn't have that relationship with the banks. And now I can't go cut my hair with T-Boy anymore because we've been told to stay at home. T-Boy is in trouble, and 
uh, the bank is not going to pay him uh, given a loan. So you see, there's a double danger. There's a danger to the person with the job and there's a danger to the job or the business itself in the informal sector. So it kind of sounds like um, retail jobs, uh, maybe agriculture, and then definitely services are the kinds of jobs in the informal sector that are most at risk during this period. Uh, yeah, definitely. Because, okay, so let's look at agriculture, for instance. Um, you have the government saying food sellers can stay open. So when you look at that, you say, oh, well, that means agri jobs are safe now because food is still being sold, so agri will be moving market. But think about it today for a moment. Um, even if you are selling food, if people are losing jobs, they can't buy as much food as they were buying before. And if they can't buy as much food as they are buying before, then the agri-businesses, the farmers, don't have as many customers as before. And that means that they have as much money as before. And that means they too are in distress. You know, I was seeing that all over the world. We're seeing farmers complaining that their foods, food, their crops are getting rotten because nobody can buy. So agri is in trouble. And now we say, okay, only essential stores can open, only those selling food. So now that means most retail outlets are in trouble. If you're selling anything that isn't food or isn't medicine or isn't essential, you suddenly don't have business. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, all services, I told, I told you about my barber T-Boy, that they're serving. Um, so many different services at all levels. Like even people that make a lot of money in services, like, let me give you a simple example, wedding planner, event planner. Hotels. Oh, yes, hotels, definitely. Um, hotels, restaurants. All of a sudden, people that were making a lot of money before suddenly are in serious trouble. You, you, if, you, if you read the global, global news outlets, you keep hearing about these large, um, you know, chains of supermarkets and stores that are... Breaking Atlantic. Yes. They are, they are running into trouble and they're shutting down. So, yeah, definitely retail and services are in danger. Now, that is, that is true, right? But we, we need to keep people alive. Huh? That's why we have a lockdown. Now, at the same time, people need to eat during the lockdown. So we allow food sellers to open. Right? And now you've talked about people who cannot um, uh, work and earn money. They cannot buy food from the food sellers. They will starve and die. How then do we ensure that those people do not starve, do not die? Doesn't that mean that we must open these other businesses as well? You know, that's the big, you know, telephone in the room. That's the... Um million dollar question, or in the case of the economy, it's a three trillion dollar question. The, these businesses must stay open in some way. We have to find a way to keep as many people productive as possible during the lockdown. Now, what do I mean by productive? What I mean is people should be adding value in a way that gives them money. Because that's the only way they'll be able to feed themselves. Uh, that's buy the food to feed themselves. And in so doing, give the food sellers and the food producers the money to also buy the food to keep themselves alive. Basically, we don't gain anything if all the food sellers are open, but nobody else is making enough money. At some point, everything will shut down. So, yes. So, how, how are rich countries handling it? How, how are rich countries balancing things? Well, you know, you, you, the, the richer countries, I'm glad you, you, you talked about the richer countries. 
because now they have you know, money gives you options. You know, they say money stops nonsense. So, <laughs> so money gives you options. And so you have the, the richer countries are using a a, 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 a two-edged approach. The first approach is let's keep as many people working as possible. So we're using work from home. Now, work from home is different from stay at home. Now, people are using the two, the two um, phrases interchangeably, but it's not the same thing. Work from home isn't from stay at home. So, like, for instance, I am working from home. My job allows me to work over the internet. My barber T-boy is staying at home mm. because he cannot cut my hair online, right? Mm. Now, in the, in the, in the richer country, um, they, they have a, there's a, there's a, there's a, also a lucky coincidence. But there's a coincidence that the richer countries also happen to be countries that have a much larger service sector. And also a large service sector that, is, that has a large online component. So a lot of jobs can be done online. And that allows a lot more people to work from home. Then, now, even then, here now, we also have jobs that can be done online, but are not. We are still not able to do all of them online because our internet infrastructure is not great. But in these other countries, you have broadband internet penetration, and it's not just there; it's also cheap. Because it's one thing to tell people to work from home. Oh, our company allows you to do your work by the internet. Great. Who is paying for the data? Um, who is paying for the for, for the light? Because a lot of us don't have electricity at home, so you have to run an electric worker. Now, a lot of the time, when people are going into the office, it was not your employee's problem. Your employees um, are using the office internet and they're using the office um, electricity. Now, you send them home, work from home, they have to switch on their gens, they have to pay for their data out of their salary. And so, all of a sudden, working from home is not as easy here as it is over there. But they have that work from option as their first strategy. Now, like we said, not everything can be done online, even in rich countries, even in the developed world. So for the jobs that cannot be done online and also are not essential, their governments have come up with a certain strategy, which is called UBI, Universal Basic Income. The idea that, you know what, a lot of you have lost your jobs or you can't really work well right now, we're going to give everybody money. Once a month, you'll get a check from the government. In America, it's $1,200. In Canada, it's about $2,000. And they're giving this money. They're, you know what? Use this to replace your salary for now. So that allows you to stay at home and still buy food and other necessities. And so the lockdown is not pinching you as much as it's pinching. So now, T-Boy's colleagues in America... Tyrone, <laughs> Tyrone having to stay at home, I can't cut hair. He's not pinching him as much as he's pinching T-Boy. Because Tyrone is getting $1,200 from the U.S. government, but T-Boy may or may not be getting a bag of rice and a bag of beans. So you see, that's the big difference. That's the second strategy. But there's also a third strategy that is somehow connected to the second, and that is government is helping people suspend their bills. So, landlords, are being asked not to evict um, tenants who can't pay rent. And he said government is giving them a bit of money to spend. Um, government businesses, sorry, banks are being told if a business can't pay back their loan right now because they don't have revenue, forgive them for now. Hold on, we'll do something for you as well. So you see, 
But it's that because, again, these are the rich countries. Their governments have the money for those options. Thank you the show. Hello to you and welcome. Uh, you're listening to Hard Facts. And we're asking, is there a way to keep more people working uh, during the lockdown? And I have on the show with me somebody who is a former public health uh, worker and somebody who is currently a venture capital executive. So he's able to talk about um, public policy and private sector at the same time on the show. She's Andrew Bufferbo. I am Sandra Ezra Now, we've talked about Tyrone and T-Boy, but you know, Bufferbo, does this mean that we cannot afford the types of total lockdowns that we're seeing in other countries? Uh, yes, I mean, like, something's got to give. Like, it's a tough choice, but a choice has to be made. I'm basically left with a choice. Lock down completely and let people starve or don't have a lockdown and let people get COVID-19. So those are the two extremes. Then we have to find something in the middle. We have to find a way to let people work and so they can eat uh, without completely undermining the lockdown and, and so that we can still keep them safe from COVID-19. But we found our government just doesn't have the money to keep people at home and keep them fed the way it's being done in other countries. So if we're pushing from that direction, like we're going to fail and it's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be very bad. The whole idea of the lockdown the first two weeks, you know, it was supposed to buy us time. We're supposed to ramp up testing so that we know exactly where we have a problem with this disease so that we know where we can open and where we have to keep shut. But unfortunately, testing was not rigorous enough. Like right now, I'm testing, we're still tested only about 8,000 people in this whole country. So like we're not even anywhere close to where we need to be. So that now, at this point now, we have to start making some compromises. So how do we let more businesses open up without undermining the lockdown and endangering everybody? Uh, you know, we just we have to think about doing something different. You see, like one of the biggest problems we've had in Africa for years is that um, we have not done the things that every other country was doing or every other continent was doing. We, we refuse to take the high decision. We refuse to get the haircuts we need to get. We refuse to invest where we need to invest. So now, um, at the time that we need, like um, we need to wiggle room. To make hard and um, to, to, to do hard things, we don't have it. It's like in, you know the story in the Bible of the ten ladies who were supposed to go to the wedding, and five of them had oil in their lamp, and five didn't have oil, and they all slept. And when the bridegroom came, the ones with oil were able to light their lamp and find their way. The ones without the oil, well, they were not begging people for oil. In Africa, we are the five women without oil. You know, all these years we were supposed to have been investing our money saving our money, building our infrastructure, building our capacity, so that in a moment like this, in a crisis like this, that is beating up the whole world, we should have been able to bring that money to pay our people, everybody. $1,000 a day, a month, is like 700000 naira a month. We should have been in a position to give every Nigerian half a million naira a month. But, but we're not, because we didn't do the right things all this time. So when you didn't do the right things, and now the, the rainy day has come, you have to now start doing, like, new things that nobody else has ever done. Yes, but we're, we're solutions based on hard facts. Huh? If 
you were in government, because it's very easy to stay outside of government and you talk about all oh, we've gotten wrong for years and decades and all of that. If you, Chico Boferibo, were in government, how would you approach this problem? How would you keep the economy running while maintaining the lockdown? Well, the first thing I'll do if I were in government is um, any government officer who violates the lockdown will automatically lose their job and be prosecuted on the spot. You do that so that you set an example. You all go to the chief of staff's um, funeral. Well, from the funeral, you go straight to your cell. And um, you go to court and you've lost your job. So you better find a new job and not a lockdown. You do that so that everybody knows that we're all in this together. But that aside, let's talk about if I were in government, how I, how I keep the economy running under a lockdown. Mm. Now, what it comes down to is you need, you have to address two problems. You need people like, well, they may not T-Boy because T-Boy's job requires him to be touching people's head. Mm. But let's say my electrician or my plumber, right? People who are doing very valuable services and who need to do those things to you. need a way for those people to move around and get their jobs done with minimal endangerment of the population. That's the first thing you need to do. And I want to tell you how. Then the second thing you need to do is you need people to be able to buy and sell essential things without endangering each other. And even non-essential things, like retail things. So how do you do that? Um, thankfully, we've already seen the logistics companies have shown us how to do it. Like, um, like say something just arrived in my home. I ordered, um, it, um, I ordered a bathroom rack, a rack for my bathroom. And it just arrived, one of the delivery companies, I'm not going to say their name because they have not come to advertise on Nigeria. It's common advertising. I'm not going to say their name. But they delivered it to my home. And they dropped it for me and I picked it up. And we all did it in a very sanitized way. So we now know that it can be done. If these online vendors can do that, government needs to find a way so that your local vendors can also sell their stuff and have it delivered to you. Thankfully, we have local government. You have LCDs. You have a ward or exco. You have an estate exco. You have a CDA exco. What should be happening right now is government at all those levels, from state government down, should be all working together coordinated. The lowest level of government, whether it's your ward council, or whether it's a CDA, or even your SA, it's not technical government, but works with government. That, those people at that last mile of government should have connections to every resident in their area. And every resident in their area should have a list of contact numbers. So when you want to buy something or you need a service, you should be able to call that number and say, I need this service delivered to me. And then now government steps in as an intermediary working with people like the NURTW and the other transport um, transport providers to deliver goods and services to the homes of Nigerians. So Nigerians don't have to go outside. NURTW is looking for work right now. Nobody's moving around. So most taxis, most buses, most kekes, whoever, wherever is not banned, they don't have any work. So why not put them to work delivering essential goods and services that Nigerians cannot go out to get right now because of a lockdown? Let 
us turn them into an ad hoc delivery system that is coordinated by the government offices at the world level, LGA level, and CDA level. And Nigerians will willingly pay. But is that not too many people? I mean, are we not ensuring that the virus is spreading? Because don't forget, you said earlier on, we're not testing enough. So who's to say that um, the NURCW driver or worker or KKL driver doesn't have the virus? And who's to say he doesn't put it on my stuff and he's coming to deliver? Don't forget that uh, the virus stays an item for at least two days, an item for at least two days. So who's to say that um, he doesn't infect me or she doesn't infect me when she comes to deliver things to me in my house? That's a great question. But now your transport, your transport providers, whether they're NURCW or whether they're private, there's a very limited number of people. A limited set of people. Before you enroll a program like this, what you do is you sit down, you work with the organizations, you shortlist the people who have been to work, and you allocate them each to a sector, to a to a zone. Doesn't that open up room for corruption and nepotism? Everything you do as government opens up room for corruption and nepotism. Mm-hmm. Even this lockdown we're in right now, the room for corruption and nepotism. We're hearing that bags of rice and bags of curry are going missing. So at the end of the day, corruption is going to be with us as long as we're Nigerians. But we can uh, we can have corruption and live, or we can have corruption and die. Let's have the corruption and die. So um, what, what what that means is we get those people who are going to be the service providers, the transport service providers, and buy some testing kits. Um, isolate them. Once you know that they are screened and cleared, bring them back out. Give them some training. Um, equip them with masks. Equip them with sanitizers. So they're moving around, they're sanitizing the, sanitizing the artisans that they're moving around so they can deliver these things to your home. They now become, and, they, and actually that makes them double up as um, contact tracing points. Because if you're registering, every time that um, that um, Wale, my plumber, gets into a keke to move from one place to another to deliver service, you know, okay, um, keke number five will mark that Wale entered his keke at such and such a time. And then when he delivered, so later on tomorrow, we found out that Wale actually had COVID-19. We know everybody works. Like this thing, is, it's all very doable. The problem is, up until now, um, the, the government in Africa especially, but Nigeria in particular, have never been called upon to come up with an innovative idea by themselves to solve a problem. We've always realized at the end of the day, well, the, the way to work to other places, we can work here. But this time around, we don't have the resources. So we have to take a bit more of the risk, but we also have to do things that have not been done in other places. All right, Lagos, let's talk to you. Do you think Nigeria can keep its economy running during a lockdown? What, what do you think will need to be done? Do you think the government has given this enough thought? What do you think about what our guests have had to say? Do you have questions for Chico Bofurebo? Do you have things you like and to clarify? Oh seven hundred nine nine three nine nine three nine nine three zero seven zero zero nine nine three nine nine three nine nine three. Hello. 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 Good evening, Sandra. Good evening to you, sir. Um, um, I want to thank you for the wonderful opportunity to you know share my views. I'm calling this, uh, this David from Alimosho. Hi, David. I'm fine. Just trying to cope up, cope with the um, the stress going, you know, one going through. Yeah, but what do you think about the points that my guest on the show today has raised? I I think um, I think 
it won't work out. That's that's my only that's my own point because you don't think it's going to work. Yeah, I'm actually Why? a daily worker. I'm a daily worker. Mm-hmm. You see, right now my bank account is zero. As in, I'm just looking up to God for means of survival. Right? So you don't think yeah. that the suggestion that Chief uh, of made about the government finding a way to get you to be able to do your daily work um, no, it cannot work. work? It won't work. Why? You haven't told me why. Actually, today, today, today was the first and only time I saw something from the government. Like, um, um, I, I, I later learned it was the governor that was that was sponsoring that, you know, that movement. I mean, actually, I noticed um, a commotion just opposite my direction, like that. So they were they were they were making noise, a whole lot of noise, you know. Then I looked towards that side. I saw that some. Like two guys carried a um, carton of Indomie. Each of them had a carton of Indomie just passing by, you know. So then I heard news that, you know, they are, got. No, but David, what you're doing is taking us very far away from what we're talking about. And uh, okay. you're not focused on the subject. What did you do? I, I, just, I just have to watch, you know, because. What do you do? What you do you know, do for a living? What's your daily work? Car wash. Car wash. Oh, car wash. Yes. And you think there's no way for the government to make it possible for you to go house to house and wash cars? House to house? Yes. You know, we are talking about social distancing here. In fact, and, and you know, to, oh. to be sincere. Thank you for calling. somebody else. Yeah. I think, I actually think that, uh, you know, washing cars is something that can, can, be, can be very easily done. Hello? Hello, good evening. Good evening, sir. What's your name? Uh, this is Godwin, calling from Sweden. Welcome, go ahead. All right, uh, what I actually wanted to talk about is I've listened very carefully to what you said earlier. And uh, you said something about uh, how can... Can you turn your radio off? All right. He's off. Thank you. All right. Hello. Now, the question is, I want to ask, how can you be in your home and you still be working? I'm doing it right now. I'm talking to you from my bedroom. I'm looking at my cat. Yeah. What he's trying to say is I just want to know. If you said you are trying to work from home and you have no resources to work from home, how do you go about that? Like, for instance, most of us actually will work in a logistic company mm-hmm. whereby at the end of the day they have to lay us off because we mm-hmm. cannot, you know, live with it down. There's no guests coming in and all of that. And for now, they have to lay off for a while. Mm. But now the thing is, staying at home. What will you be going? What you are going to be doing? And I thought, if I thought you even want to engage in all that two activities, what? How? Who is going to supervise it? How are you going to go about it? Now you are just trying to strategize of how to do things and all of that. But at the end of the day, discover that even the resources you need to do all of that at home, you cannot access. Mm. So all right, let me let my guest answer that question. Thank you so much for calling us. Chief of Oprah, you had the concerns that uh, this man has raised. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, he hit the nail on the right on the head, you know. And it's actually sad that... Um, it's actually sad that the logistics industry is being hit as hard as it is being hit. And that's a testament to the fact that government at all levels did not think ahead when it was planning this lockdown. What do I mean by that? You have logistic companies enough um, workers, like your caller just said, 
why it was no business. What does that mean? It means nobody is sending goods anywhere. Right? At the same time, you have lots of shops. They can't open because they're not food, right? So the owners of those shops are not making any money right now because people can't come to the shop to buy them. You have logistic companies with no to move, and you have good sellers with no way to move their goods. Perfect market. What can do in that situation? Create a platform that I thought you stand right in your house with your car. Me, in my own house, is able to buy those goods and have them delivered to us by your plastic company. And that means, simply, to let our CDA people be able to come around to all of us every day, take our orders and the things that they put us and pay. That way, at least, some businesses can stay open. The product company will not have to start in, and the shops to selling, you know, whatever they are selling wouldn't have to you know, The only people who suffer maybe who are like, you know, your other people who, who work with But at least a few jobs could have been saved. All right, let's go back to the phone line. Hello? Hello? Sorry about that. Call us back. Hello? Hello? Good evening, sir. What's your name? Uh, hello, Sandra. I'm Sam. Sam, welcome. What do you think about what we're talking about? Okay. Uh, it is possible to work from home. Uh, that we just applicable for one third of, uh, of uh, the workforce. Because if I can't don't work my thought. Because a lot of people are not online. A lot of people does not have electricity and power. A lot of people are not even enlightened as you are. You as uh, you as uh, listening to you every day I see that you are an enlightened person. But seventy percent of Nigerians are primary school and secondary school holders and they are they, they are not even Yes. The, the yes. government is enlightened, and that's why my guest today has said if he were in government, what he would do was find a way to work with transporters, local government and estates, work with African associations, turn local government into service providers. That way, the, the majority of Nigerians who are not in the formal sector like me and not enlightened like me can still have a way to move their goods and services because the government has made it possible. Uh, it, yeah. And that is other an ideal situation. You will have access to, you know how many Kemarua drivers, even in Mowenyelo, uh, in uh, all over Lagos, all over Nigeria, how possible you are to, one, one person would like to take several jobs. And uh, before you do that, you must interface with them. Not under this situation. After, probably we apply is a planning that can be for the next five years and not not immediately. I'll I think we don't want to travel again in five years. <laughs> but thanks for calling me, sir. Let me talk to somebody else. Hello. Hello. Oh, sorry about that. Nice nine point three. Hello. How are you, sir? What's Hello. your name? My name is Isaiah from Maryland. Isaiah, welcome. Okay, but you, I want you to understand one thing. It's not every worker that will be able to work at home. I think you get that. Like my own work now, I do to pitch all these stone, all these stone-coated roof. 
and I have a lot of job at and um, but there's no no chance for me to go out there and get the goods or the materials to use. So uh, is it possible for me to work from home? Is it possible? I mean, and no. But 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 my my guest suggested that what the government can do is make sure that your goods can get to you by using Keke Marua as a part of delivery service for government. Right? Not just Keke, both Boso, both Yellow Taxi, or Kada said, they can get your goods to you and then you can perform your own services by carrying you to where you need to perform your services. That way you're making money, you're able to buy school, yes. and everybody can be happy. Now, do you think government is capable of doing this? Mm, yeah. Yes, of course. They're capable of doing it. If they allow those that are selling the materials to open, I can get the, the around super and um, around two what also decide around there. And the work is around there or yes. I have like three or four works to do around there. So there's no material to use. Okay. Well, I, I'm sorry you're going through what you want, but that's why we're, we're having conversations on hashtags so that government finds new ways to do these things. Thanks for calling me. Chief of you know, is what you're suggesting realistic? Like a lot of people who have called in have said, you know, people, can we truly expect government in Nigeria to react with so much ingenuity to this new problem? If we can't expect government act with ingenuity we are once in a hundred year problem then why are they government if we cannot expect people that we give the most power in society to protect us and save us in life and death crisis then why are we giving them that power we have to get to a point as a society where we stop excuses to the most powerful institution we have government. We should not be excuses for government. We should be accepting only resolve. And the fact of the matter is that this is the ultimate test. Like, you look, at, look around us. Look at Ghana. Why is Ghana handling COVID-19 far better than Nigeria? Simply because Ghanaians don't say, ah, government can't do that. So it, it's not possible to expect that government. Ghanaians expect their governments to deliver, and their government will deliver. We tested 8,000 people, so do you know how many people Ghana has tested? Over 3,000. So Ghana has tested sometimes the number of people as Nigeria has. Ghana has almost 10,000 half of police. So it comes down to our expectations of government at the end of the day. Let's see what Thank you so much for joining us on the show. Chief of is a venture capital executive during the day. But a few years ago, he was a public health consultant who worked with the World Bank and various health ministries. We'll take your thoughts after this break. You're listening to Hard Facts with Sandra and Stephanie. Don't go away. Hard, hard Facts will be right back. This is Hard Facts.
Welcome back to Hard Facts on 99.3 FM, Nigeria Info. Sandra had an interesting conversation with Chief. And people are looking at the situation and saying, well, it's not possible. But on Hard Facts, we ask the hard-hitting questions and dig up all of the answers. The idea is so that you get the information, you form an informed opinion, you make the right choices, and at the end of the day, you are better off for it. Sandra is a question. You said to take some more calls. I'm very certain that so many people want to speak to you. I wonder if we have, we have WhatsApp messages, Chikode. Yes, there are several messages on WhatsApp, but let's take this call. The phone lines are ringing, and I would read out the WhatsApp messages. Hello, sir. Oh, sorry about that. <laughs> Hello? Oh, okay. Let's try again. Hello? Hello? Yes, yes good I'm evening. Speaking from, uh, I'm speaking from a good case. I'm at El Oh, I'm glad you're on the show, sir. Okay. Welcome, go ahead. Your guest analysis. I can see that Africa is very poor. Hello? Hello? Yeah, okay. I can hear you. From your guest analysis, I can see that mm. Africa, there are lack of administration, lack of management, lack of everything. And mm. so, we still have a long way to go. Because today, you, hello? You, are you getting me? Yes, I'm getting you. Go ahead. But because seeing Africa today, the leaders, they have seen Africa woefully and totally. See the okay. way they are distributing food. Is that sensible? Is that sensitive? Now, they said you are mm. therefore trying to explain that in America or Canada, they are sharing mm. about $1 or $1.20. That is equivalent to 300000 now, Nigeria is unable to give even 5,000 for a family. And this is a country that has been selling oil during the time of a, 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 a oil boom. See, now they have nothing to show. And the country is going further, further. I pity for African leaders. People, now, the religious leaders also, who, in fact, they, they organize followers, they are rich. They are billionaires. They have nothing to offer. God bless. God bless Africa. God bless Nigeria. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Thank you for calling us. Hello. Sorry about that. Hello. Hello, Sandra. Good evening, please. Good evening, sir. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. Mm, welcome. What's your name, sir? Uh, I'm Jay. Again. Go ahead. Okay, uh, Sandra. Actually, at this critical time, I think uh, it requires critical thinking. Okay, okay. there's a saying that goes. That this, there's a saying that goes that you know, smart people think, brave people, you know, talk, and then intelligent people act. So when we, I think, uh, in this category, we should be able to know where we fall. I don't know that you understand me. Now we are all looking. We are looking, you know, turn, turning our clock towards assumption, assumption, speculations, and all that, and all kinds of theory that will not help us. Mm. I think uh, when you look at the Western counterpart, that is the Western communities, Europe, Asia, and all that, if you see how they were able to take steps, all right, to solve most of the national and world problems, they require some mathematical theories and, you know, approach. In this context, we should be able to look at some theories, you know, mathematically. 
and all that scientifically. In that way, when you look at some aspects in most of the mathematical theory, like, you know, uh, what's it called? Quadratic equation, in a way by you deploy the root method or the square method. But at the end of the day, you see that if the pressure is high, you know, you start from the base, that's the down. Then if the pressure is, you know, on the base and all that, you start from the top and all that. At the end of the day, you are at equilibrium. So therefore, in this context now, Nigeria is actually, you know, uh, on, on, on top and the pressure is really at the top. You understand me? Whereby the leaders have nothing mm -hmm. to offer. Okay? So what we have to do is that we should look at the possible advantage that we have, you know, mm. using, okay, there's area of concentration like Lagos, Kano, Abuja and all that. Can't we have other cities that we can be able to channel, you know, our activities in those trees, you know, towards and so that we can use those areas to at least create well, like internal Method oh, of okay. All right. So what we're going to do is continue this conversation. Let me take one more call, sir. Thank you so much no, for no, calling. No, no, no. Hello. Sorry about that. Uh, thank you. Yeah, President Sandra, good afternoon. Yes, how are you? Good afternoon. Please, when are you coming back to work? To the office? Um, well, my office is actually locked down to protect the people inside the office, so I can't come Please. into the office. Okay, no problem. I, I always feel for you when I hear you. I'm walking from my bedroom. I always feel for you. <laughs> President Sandra. Well, I'm enjoying it. Yeah, yeah. President Sandra. I want to yeah. thank uh, Double Chief uh, Andy Obovewe. He's no more there, right? No, no, I no. want to thank him. He, he has been preferring solutions. To be a good leader, you have to be a good listener. You hear what he said about the people who attend that barrier, right? If he's in government, what he would yeah. You remember 2014 when these guys were coming in? The information minister, he's the one marketing the, the, the party to Nigerians then. I asked him, oh, we've gone to America. We meet with a certain group. They, they told us what to do. We're going to hit the ground running. He said all sorts of things, and Nigerians believed them. Two years down the line, I called. I remember those who are calling me names. Yesterday, I had one of them apologizing to Nigerians. Oh, I supported these people, but I'm regretting why I did that. If I have my waist, President Sandra, I will sue Lai Mohammed, I'm telling you. Before this corona or whatever, these are not working, and Nigerians present as if it's all is well. You hear what that man said about oil? All the money they made, all the money they recovered, where did they put it? Where? If I have my way, I will sue Lai Mohammed because he lied to Nigerians. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Chris. That's the last call we can take today. Thank you so much to you, Lagos, for uh, joining the conversation. And thank you, as always, to Chukudi Ezubu in the studio doing amazing, amazing work. Let's do all of this again tomorrow. Tomorrow, we're bringing you a fresh episode of The Glass Ceiling. Domestic violence cases are rising because of the lockdown. Why? Let's try and answer that question tomorrow at 4 p.m. We also have a special report. So for everybody like myself who's working from home, we have a special report for you. And we'd like to hear your experience tomorrow at 5 p.m. I am Sandra Ezekosili on all of my social media. Chukudi Ezugu is hustling material on Instagram and Ezugu Chukudi on Twitter. Until tomorrow, Lagos, those are hard facts. Good night.